Thank you for tuning in to Comic Comic. I'm Brian Copper with Comic Christine Ferrara. Christine Ferrara, how the hell are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm having a problem. I mean, you're, you're, I think your last name is pretty common, except I just cannot say with any sort of distinction or or, or diction Ferrara. Well, there, it's sort of a common last name, but it's the spelling is not common. It's usually uh, Ferrara or uh, Ferrari or um, things like Ferrero, stuff like that. But anyway, we're Ferrara. Okay. I think when I say it quickly, there's just too many R's for me. So that's my problem. That's my cross to bear. And so we, <laughs> we follow Christine Ferrara. Dot, uh, well, well, she's Christine Ferrara.net on the old WW, but also on Twitter, Christy Ferrara. And on Instagram, Christy.Ferrara. So Christine Ferrara, today we're going to talk about something wonderful. We're going to talk about feminism because I've never talked about it ever. <laughs> I've done hundreds of episodes with hundreds of comedians and yet none of them have forced me to talk about feminism and you didn't but i have people supply (laughs) i have people supply topics and i'm like i'm not talking about that has nobody proposed this like like what's yeah tell me about feminism like what the hell is it what what's your take on it how can you make it funny etc wow i'm well i mean it's such a sort of a broad topic like feminism but just out of curiosity do you have you just never talked about it even in your own life or uh, yeah I don't I don't know that I have like back in the day you know in school and stuff like feminism was a really you know big topic that was you know discussed in you know the halls of academia etc but like once I got out of college there, I mean I suppose I suppose what's interesting is like you know they talk about how it's evolved over time and so kind of what is the angle that you're interested in about feminism because like you said, it's a big old topic. Yeah, it is massive. And I'm of a certain generation, um, which would be generation X, which is older. um, That so for me, like, you know, growing up in the 90s, um, feminism was kind of we had words like feminazi. And it was very closely related to anger, and hostility. And I would say, um, feminism was always related to things that were distinctly not fun you know (laughs) and so I want to be paid more I want to be treated as an equal yeah and like I don't want to be assaulted um if possible you know things like that so it was it kind of got I feel like in the 90s it had this really bad reputation of being you know, feminists were angry people. I mean, just the word feminazi is so, I mean, it's not exactly flattering. Yeah, that's the worst. And so I think a lot of women of my generation didn't really want to be associated with it because it was such a drag in a way. (laughs) But I- You're dragging down my party, feminazi. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, we're trying to fight for equal rights here. Who invited the feminazi (laughs) to the party? Yeah, and so- I always thought about it in terms of like the most powerful thing is humor. And so if you, um, and speaking of dis- the academia, I did write my master's thesis was called Funny Art Women, which is about women who use comedy and humor to um, kind of get their feminist viewpoint across, oh, cool. but in a way that it's much more palatable. Like if you're funny, yeah. like someone like Maria Bamford was kind of huge for me because she's not like overtly political about it, but she is really funny. And so she has a lot of sway and power and yeah. 
people listen to her and not just women, you know, and yeah, so if we're like, laughing, you've already disarmed us. You've already taken our defenses down. If we're laughing, you you know, we're kind of able to kind of hold hands. Like until you take that wall down, you know, we'll never right. hold hands ever. And so if you get us laughing, that's how you kind of get your messages secretly. So I love that. Like you're coming from a, you know, I'm 44, so I'm probably Gen X too. And it's like, you're coming from a generation where it's such a drag, man. But now it's like with your comedy, you're finding a palatable way, but it's just kind of sad that anybody would have to do that. Like, you know, like, should you have to, you know, right. have a perfect stand-up routine to kind of get people to think that women should get an equal pay or whatever? <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, exactly. And it is, I agree that it is not cool that you have to sort of um, make your make yourself palatable to the rest of the world, i.e. the hierarchy of patriarchy or whatever it is. But I feel like um, that was something that sort of transformed in the 90s and the early aughts is that. And so I feel like the sort of younger group of feminists, I think now we're calling it fourth wave. I can't remember uh, if we're still in, we're either in third wave or fourth wave and I can't remember your waves. which. Gotta know your waves, Christine. <laughs> yeah. If you want to be taken you, seriously as a feminist thinker, you better know your waves. You do have to know your waves. Um, and so they're the, but the younger generation is just totally unapologetic about it. And I'm not saying yeah. that somebody like Maria Bamford or other comics of that generation were apologetic about yeah. it. It's just, I think they just did it the way that they did it. And then now we have like millennials and Gen Zs who comics who are, you know, just maybe a little more straightforward about politics. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah, meaning they don't feel like but, to cloak it in a joke or whatever. They can kind of just come off with that as a, here's my ideology. I don't kind of cloak it in a joke. Let's now let's go from there and be funny. But like, I was just watching a Cobra Kai the other day and this moon character, uh, I don't know she's like, she's talking about men and women or something and somebody goes that's sexist or, or something and she goes no feminism can be sex positive now or something and so when you when you see things like lipstick feminism and, and sex positivity and stuff how like how do the contemporary thinkers kind of talk about it i mean not comedians but just like so i mean people are going on tiktoks and probably doing front face videos about how women are, are the best which of course they are um like like what's the current thinking on feminism? Is it okay to be sex positive? It's okay to be body positive. Like what's the thing? Yeah, I would, I mean, I can't speak for everyone obviously, but the way I see it evolving, it's interesting to me because especially talking about things like body positivity or, um, you know, gender fluidity and all those kinds of things. It's like those are newer conversations in term, well, actually, no, they're not. Like they've always been part of the conversation that, I mean, since I was alive or since I was young, um, it's, but it's just constantly evolving. So it's like, you know, I mean, if you think about it, it was only what, like 10 or 15 years ago that we were literally having the conversation, are women funny, you know? I mean, <laughs> think about so, that. That so was like, that, that was like, when was that 2007 ish to 2012 ish or whatever, or like who can tell rape jokes or things like that. You know what I mean? So it's like the conversation is constantly evolving, but I would say that it's interesting. Some of the topics that have stayed the same in terms of like the conversation is different, but the topic is still there because I think there has been conversation around body positivity 
and representation and diversity and gender fluidity for a while now. It's just that it's, you know, the conversation is constantly changing. So yeah, but I, I don't know. Some it's interesting. Some old school feminists would get in trouble if they speak the same way. Like you said, the concepts are always the same treat women you know equally because they're humans etc and like of course that goes without saying but then like some people have been saying it for decades and been labeled a feminazi in the 70s they could say the same fucking sentence now and get in trouble with the exact words if they're not cognizant about the fact that certain trans women <laughs> or gender fluid people in general might have a problem with how things are discussed because is, isn't what's her name like the turf with the who's the Harry Potter chick? Oh, the you Harry know, Potter like, lady, yeah. trans exclusionary feminist. And I guess yeah. that's what turf means, and like getting some real fucking trouble where she's like, Yeah, I mean, women should have rights unless you were born with a dick, you know. Like, what the fuck is that? Like, so some of these people can get into real trouble, right? Oh, they yeah. Don't speak slightly more uh less ignorantly, I guess. Right. And I think that um some, you know, and it's not necessarily along generational lines, but it does, the turf thing does somewhat seem to be like people of a certain generation, <laughs> like boomers or whatever, and probably even some Gen X. But I think that that, I mean, I don't know that much about it. And I actually, I know I'm not like a Harry Potter person, so I don't know. But um I think that that comes out of a fear and it's like this fear of a certain type of gen, like a certain type of feminist who is afraid that, you know, like we've already had a hard time as women. And so like, I don't know if it's like a fear of not wanting to share the equality <laughs> or something. I don't know where that fear comes from. But well, everybody has a fear of sharing. You know? To me, <laughs> but to me, it's just like with everything it's like nobody's equal unless everybody's equal. Yeah. So it doesn't do you any good to be exclusionary in any way, shape or form. And also to me, it's those kinds of conversations are interesting because it's also like, there's a difference between like women and femininity. Like there's a difference between gender and sexual orientation and all these things. Like just for example, I feel like in the 90s when I was sort of looking to women who are older than me as an example, like a lot of outspoken feminists were like these, you know, like I said before, feminazis. So they're like these tough, angry, just ready to go at it, you know, just like these basically tough broads, you know Real what I mean? Real drags, real drags. On and the, the thing is, it's like, and it seems like the feminists of that era were kind of really masculine to be honest and it was kind of like this thing of yeah you can be accepted or equal as a woman as long as you're kind of projecting a hyper masculinity which is yeah. to say that you know that's where I talk about the difference between angry women and to me what I think of as much more feminist is funny women you know what yeah. I mean yeah. and it's it's like this I mean I don't have a problem with anger but it, it is sort of this thing of projecting like a masculinity and that makes you more acceptable somehow yeah. to men. It's like men can respect that or the patriarchy can deal with that. Like they know, you know, and so basically it's almost like a preference of not men versus women, but actual masculinity versus 
femininity or just femme qualities in general. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's probably lipstick feminism too, right? Where it's yeah, like you it's can't like, dress like a woman. You, you can dress like a feminine woman and still be uh, a badass, a badass bitch, right? Yeah. But then I guess, well, I mean that like, you know, like the question I have, because I, I was like lipstick lesbian. I don't like, I, I was like, did I say lipstick feminism or lipstick lesbian? It got me to thinking about the interplay, like in the evolution of men getting used to women having a say and equality and stuff. I wonder if the acceptance of lesbianism coincided because because like when you when you're a man and you're brought up just with you know men and women and typical gender roles as older people were like you were shocked <laughs> i mean now i'm just like i don't know if i was ever shocked but it's like because women are the most attractive sex period but just like you were shocked that like some women would not be into any fucking dude no matter how hot or awesome the dude and so like i think some people in the old school probably were just like oh sh-, like once they started getting used to kind of same sex, whatever, you know, and the fact that lesbians could just be totally like, we don't know, we have no use for you as a man. Like, I wonder if that person got more open to like, oh, oh shit, <laughs> we're not even in their worldview at all. Like, oh my right. gosh, like, well, women don't have to depend on a man if she doesn't even fucking need a man for, you know, procreation or to support or whatever. So I just wonder what the, the coincidence or, you know, where in the evolution of, you know, um, feminism or gender equality or whatever came the whole like lesbianism as like, you know, the awareness of lesbianism, you know? <laughs> and it's right. like, so yeah, do you have any thoughts on like, yeah, because you said like, you know, sexual gen- sexual gender, sexual orientation, sexual presentation, they're all different. Like, do you see the interplay in any of these LGBTQ issues in, in toward, you know, vis-a-vis or, or with respect to the evolution of, you know, feminism or gender equality? Yeah, I mean, to me, it all goes hand in hand. And I, I mean, I guess I should say, like, I'm a hetero cis white female. So I don't know. I don't know if I mean, I'm sure that informs my my worldview. And I don't even know that I necessarily the most qualified to speak on these topics. But for me, I just feel like um, it's kind of like an all boats rise situation, which is like when I think of, um, you know, growing up in the 70s and 80s and people, you know, like I, when you first sort of start becoming aware, but it's like back then it was so different. So one thing we have to remember is that, you know, to come out as lesbian or gay or queer in general in the 70s and 80s was quite a different thing than it is now. And I'm not saying it's easy now. I don't think it's it's still not easy, but um, but I mean, back when there were actual laws against it and you could be risking your life and, you know, that you, you know, like a lot of lesbians would get beat up all the time. I mean, you know, there weren't a lot of like clubs or places to gather and they would, the ones that were would actually get raided all the time. People would get you know, beat up by the cops or just, you know, I mean, and, you know, of course, there's still hate crimes going on. But for me, I just feel like, you know, you see, it it makes sense to me that if you were um, a lesbian, let's just say, for example, lesbian in that era, that yeah, you might be really (laughs) protective of your identity, and you might be 
you know, you might be sort of ex a little exclusionary or mistrusting of men or straight people in general, you know? And yeah. so it makes sense to me. And then I think part of the evolution is, you know, as hopefully everything is trending towards tolerance, um, part of the evolution is that like, it, to me, it's just like this thing, that's why the trans exclusionary feminists drive me crazy and really makes me sad because it's like, it's like all the marginalized groups being pitted against each other. Yeah. Whereas we really shouldn't be, we should all be on each other's side. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe that's we the point. It's like pit them against each other so that nobody gets more money. And what's her name? J.K. Rowling, she could just take all the money. She's like, I already made it, guys. I yeah, said, and I it's have, literally- I have to shut, I have to, I'm gonna have to become a billionaire. And so how am I gonna do this? I, I have to make sure that everybody else, you know, is pitted against each other. And so let me make a couple, uh, you know, cute tweets here about turf shit. Everybody will argue and I'll just keep being a billionaire, right? Right. I mean, it's literally how power stays yeah. entrenched, you know. Well, and, before, yeah, and, I mean, and I think, did you have a show on this? Because I'm looking at one, one totally hilarious thing about Christine Ferreira.net, but also Chrissy Ferreira, I suppose, probably. Yeah. Also Chrissy.Ferreira on Instagram. Like, like you had a show called Cats, Criminals and something, and you have this, this cat mask and you do this little <laughs> dance. Like, did that, yeah, tell me about, yeah, I got to get the title. Oh, Cats, yeah, Criminals, Comedians. Tell me about that show. And were we able to see you dance in this really hypnotic fashion with a big cat <laughs> mask on? And where the fuck did you get that cat mask? Oh, that's a great question. Actually, uh, that I just did that show in November in New York as part, yeah. part of an experimental theater festival. Nice. It's called Cats, Criminals, and Comedians, which it's <laughs> funny you bring it up because the title is from an essay from by Freud. Oh. So Freud wrote this essay called On Narcissism, which is about where he says something, I'm paraphrasing, but he says something to the effect of... Um, women beasts of prey and um he says women beasts of prey humorists and outlaws live outside of the confines of society because so he literally puts women in the same category as cats or beasts of prey oh, no. criminals or outlaws and humorists and which i changed to comedians Meaning that like we, I mean, he wrote this uh, over a hundred years ago. So it's like, we can give him a little leeway on that, but, <laughs> but it's basically like how women have to live outside the norms of society because basically their only place in society is either somebody's daughter or somebody's wife. You know, this oh, is back no. when, before women had the vote, when women were basically property. So I took that um, quote from Freud I, I'm sorry, I wish I had the actual quote in front of me. I feel like I'm just paraphrasing. But so I turned it into this. Um, it's kind of like a fake academic lecture. I do yeah. it as a lecture. Okay. And it's basically about women artists who um, using that as a jumping off point. It's it's like a history of feminist art. Okay. And and I'm it's completely made up. So it's like all these artists these women artists throughout history who do all manner of ridiculous performances. Like just for an, a quick example, there's a woman in the sixties whose performance is just crying. And then she just fills up vials with her own tears. And you, and just, put, made, you just made her up. <laughs> yeah, I made it up. <laughs> um, 
yeah, she's the crying artist or there's a, and so every artist is sort of a different representation of like the oppression of gender, you know, like the, the sort of um, patriarchy of Western European art, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I come from a fine art background, so I'm pretty well versed in this. And so I've performed that show about a dozen times. I did it uh, recently in New York, like I said, but I debuted it in Baltimore where I used to live. Okay. And um, a lot of my professors came and <gasps> the director of the Baltimore Museum of Art came and was literally, I have to brag, she was literally weeping and yes. said, this is my whole life. This is my uh, whole life. <laughs> what a what poll quote is that? That's amazing. You gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta check these things out because you, you see this hypnotic, rhythmic dancing with this cat mask on. You could see it at christineferrera.net, Chrissy Ferreira on Twitter, and I'm going to be retweeting all this stuff, including the cat dancing, and Chrissy.Ferreira on Instagram. Chris, Christine Ferreira, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you. This was so fun.